Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and YouTube and everywhere else they allow you to have an at. So I didn't know how to introduce this week's episode and then I realized it just kind of writes itself. Let's go talk to JJ Zacharyson at Late Round QB about Dynasty. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and there's a at once. Who are you and what do you do? I'm JJ Zacharyson. I uh, I, I uh, own and operate uh, Late Round Fantasy Football, and I am the host of the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast. As you've already mentioned, you haven't done a lot of that work, but you are about to write profiles for all of the players yeah. for your draft guide, which people should check out for the Late Round QB. Um, how's that going, by the way? It's going really well, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's cool because, um, you know, the people who support me uh financially you know like customers that are part of the patreon or buying the guides and such they're doing it because they truly enjoy the work that i do and so it's really not a situation where i'm dealing with like obnoxious customers who are you know just like like emailing me things like oh you misspelled this or you did this wrong or you said this wrong it, it, it's really like it's just cool because I've been able to build a little community and uh, there's awesome people in the discord that I have at, at the late round fantasy football uh, through the late round fantasy football, Patreon. Um, but it's, it's, it's been, it's been better than I even expected. Honestly, it's just, it's been, awesome. you know, it's, it's, it's like this, this feeling of freedom to, to really do the kind of content that I really, really love and want to do. Not that I wasn't able to necessarily do that at FanDuel. I love FanDuel. I think anyone who is looking for a job should, work at FanDuel. It's a great, great place. Um, but you know, I, I just, I wanted to do some of these like bigger projects, like these guides each year, you know, I do the prospect guide and then I do the draft guide for the summer for redraft leagues. And I just wasn't able to do something like that, you know, at a full-time job, uh, you know, at a bigger, a uh, bigger corporation like FanDuel. So, um, you know, being able to like put all this together and work on it and have these projects, that's, that's been really, really rewarding. No, I'm really, it's really great to hear that. And um, speaking of prospect guides, which you're about to do and you haven't done, but like, how far are you into it? Can you give us like, we just yeah. had Travis May from uh, Mojo kind of lay out the background college information for most of the main prospects. Have you done any work on them? Is there anyone standing out that everyone should pay attention to? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I do in the guide. So first, it's, it's sort of in like three sections. The, the first section is a breakdown of what goes into my models. I have a running back and a wide receiver model. Uh, and then I also have, uh, and then I profile every running back and wide receiver that goes to the NFL combines. There's like 70, some of them this year. Um, and then from there, I also have a year two model, which is essentially looking at last year's class and seeing how well they're going to perform in years two and three here in their NFL career. And it's, it's based on some factors like, uh, their prospect score, you know, from my model, but then also fa production factors from their rookie season. And so, uh, I then profile. So all those profiles are done. You know, I've done all of the, the rookies from last year, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, et cetera. Um, and then all the running backs as well. Uh, and then I started to do some of the running backs for uh, this year's class. Uh, I've done like the high level ones. Um, and, you know, I've like dug in, like I know who's in the class and stuff like that. I just haven't really like sat down and said, this is why I like this guy. This is why I don't right. like this guy. Here's the red flag. Uh, you know, and here, here's where he wins that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. It, it launches March 13th. So I, I really like, you know, it's basically like when the combine happens, I go into my office and I sit in my office for three straight days and I just grind out a lot of these profiles and stuff. And then, uh, the, the, the guide will launch March 13th. 
And then uh, once the NFL draft happens, I update all of those profiles and I'll do that over that draft weekend. And then they'll be back out on Monday uh, for, for people who had, had purchased the, the guides all PDF. So um, I'm, I'm getting there, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in there. I think, I think this, this year's guide is like 130, 140 pages long. So it's just a, you know, it's just a lot of work to, to get completed. Well, no, I, I think it's just the season ends and we, we don't want to say goodbye to football. So we immediately want to be talking about the next thing when honestly, yeah. I mean, you're better off if you take a second. I am interested in your year two, year two uh, modeling or, or at least a year two takeaway. Something that yeah. I've been discussing a lot is like uh, the rookie wide receivers from this year's class. Yeah. Definitely a strong class in terms of rookie year performance. I don't see a lot of, I don't see some of the ceiling. Um, like I, I haven't seen it, but I don't want 2014 comparisons. I don't think it's that type of class. But there's a lot of targets per route run debate going on in my little corner of Twitter, if you're interested yeah. in that, like Drake London versus uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, have you got into any of that with your year two look at them? 100%. So, uh, you know, I had a, a year two model last year. It's when I actually built it last year. I never really had anything like this. And so uh, I wanted to do it for the prospect guide. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll add a little bit more to, to the guide. And so I built it for running back and wide receiver. Now the running back model, like any model is not as predictive as the wide receiver one, because you know, the, the logic I use for this is uh, you know, when a, 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 it's a coaching decision <clears throat> that drives running back volume to some degree, of course, talent is, is hopefully winning out. Of course, talent is getting that running back on the field, but we know that coaches could just say, Hey, I don't want to give this running back some touches. And that can screw up modeling because it's not just only talent driven. It's really coaching decision driven. Whereas at wide receiver, all of my numbers are a lot more accurate um, and predictive at wide receiver because uh, talent wins out at wide receiver so often uh, because you have to be talented to get targeted. You have to be talented to get open in order to get that target, et cetera. And so uh, the year two model, you know, last year is sort of like an introductory thing. Uh, and then I just started testing a little bit more this year and you know, the, the, the targets per route run, yards per route run, yards per team pass attempt at the NFL level, all three of those things are pretty predictive. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty uh, uh, amazing when you when in conjunction with uh, some other production metrics and like even just like raw points per game from year one. And then obviously I, I loop in my, my prospect score as well for these guys, um, you know, because you can have some fluky seasons. Uh, from rookie, what usually comes from running backs, but sometimes wide receivers as well. Um, you know, who 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 maybe didn't come into the NFL looking super super hot, and then they just did something that we didn't expect them to do. Usually, those guys don't really continue on. But the year two model that I revamped for wide receiver, I'm more excited about than the running back one. The running back one's fine, don't get me wrong, but the the wide receiver one. So basically, what I do is I uh, I have scores that get generated. And then those scores are then placed uh, and, and they're, they're given a percentile rank, right? So it's just zero to a hundredth percentile. That way it's a little bit more digestible. So people understand it. They wouldn't understand what 30.2 means as a random score in the year two model. And so I do it all based on percentile score. And, and then I bucket, I have a chart in the guide and I bucket the percentiles. So 95th to 100th, 90th, 95th, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can see based on that bucket, how frequently players in years two and three get to 10 plus PPR points per game, 12 plus PPR points per game, or 14, 16, 18, et cetera. So with this year two model there uh, of the guys who have ranked and have played three seasons that we've seen how that, how they've done in years two and three, this dates back to 2011 of the guys who are in the 95th to 100th percentile over half of them have given you an 18 plus PPR point per game season 
in years two or three. So that's their max season, which to me is pretty insane. I mean, that, that's like a that's like a mid to high end wide receiver one season. So if a wide receiver is ranked in that bucket, he essentially has a 50-50 shot to give you a mid to high end wide receiver one season in years two or three. Um, and the three wide receivers from last year's class are Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. That those are, those are three guys that and 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 I'll tell you a little secret. This is a little spoiler spoiler alert for the guide. Uh, Drake London actually ranks ahead of Garrett Wilson in that model right now. Um, not to say that I would rank him ahead of him per se in like dynasty rankings, but it does tell you how underappreciated and underrated Drake London's rookie season was. I, I mean he. it's really, it's, it's kind of bonkers whenever you look at his like route run numbers, uh, his yards per team pass attempt rate. And then you give it context of, of the wide receivers that we've seen historically do those things. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bonkers. Um, He actually has a top 10 score in the, in this, in this upgraded year two model of any wide receiver. He's the 10th best of any wide receiver since 2011. Um, And then Chris Olave is like ranked sixth and then Garrett Wilson's ranked like 15th. So they're all, just in oh, incredible. Well. Yeah, they're all they're all to me, you know, my takeaway from doing it was they're all like very much cornerstone pieces for your dynasty rosters, all three of them. But Drake London is not really viewed that way. I mean, Garrett Wilson definitely is. I think a lot of people love Chris Olave, but I'm not sure Drake London is like there in the same conversation in the minds of, of dynasty managers. Um, and then and then the, the next group, you know, like the Burks, the Christian Watsons the George Pickens and the Jahan Dotsons, they're in the 90th to 95th percentile right now. You're right about London. London, I assume London had fairly high, um, looking at early keep trade cut and ADP. He was very, he's closer to Alave and Wilson. And, right. and I felt Burks' season was close to on par with London. Although, um, what about Lund- uh, Burks' season isn't as good? Maybe that's the... Yeah. the my level yeah. question. So, so what's really interesting, so I mentioned some of the, you know, like the... Uh, if you were to talk about uh, route run numbers, right? Yards per route run, targets per route run. Uh, I, I like to use a lot of these numbers in conjunction with one another. And I test it obviously too, but I, I like to use them in conjunction with one another uh, because a lot of times something like yards per route run will get you on a Kadarius Tony far too hard, uh, you know, harder than you should, if you will. Um, and so if you, and this is what my epiphany sort of was, uh, it actually happened like last week, but sort of my epiphany was, when you use that in conjunction with yards per team pass attempt and you don't adjust yards per team pass attempt for games played. And I know that some people think that that's idiotic and stupid and not fair, but what it does is let, let's, let's it's essential. I think yeah, actually let's take a trail on Burks as a perfect, exa- perfect example, right? Pretty good yards per hour run. Wasn't as good as Drake London's. It was like, I think he had like a 1.75 or something like that yards per hour run, but it, it was, it was good. Right. So, so Traylon Burks had a good rookie season yards per route run, maybe not elite to the same degree as the other three, but still very, very good. You know, let's just say his target, I don't know what it, what it was off the top of my head, but let's just say his targets per route run was pretty decent as well. Well, part of the, the problem with Traylon Burks, obviously last season was that he didn't play a full season, right? Like he, he, he was, was banged up, but not only that, he got started a little bit late too. Not like all wide receivers, not like a Christian Watson per se, but you know, he wasn't getting the, the, the target share that we like to see you know, right off the bat week one, despite the lack of competition there. And what I think the season long yards per team pass attempt number does is it sort of normalizes any sort of crazy efficiency that you might see on a routes run basis. And so for, for example, uh, Wandell Robinson, right? So Wandell Robinson looked good in my year two model pre upgrade that I did. He looked better. I should say 
He's in the 86th percentile now. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he didn't play and his yards per team pass attempt number is not very strong, despite his routes run numbers being pretty good for, for the role that he played, et cetera. And so you might sit back and you're like, oh, well, that's not fair to Wandell. He tore his ACL, but you have to keep in mind, what am I trying to solve here? And what I'm trying to solve here is what's going to happen to these players in years two and year three. And if they're banged up in year two, or sorry, if they're banged up in year one, it's going to be a slower build to do well in years two or year three, right? So this should have technically been a flag on a guy like Rashad Bateman last year, like, cause after his rookie season where, you know, he still ranked a little bit over the 90th percentile, but he was a 96th percentile guy in my model coming out uh, of school, you know, a really, really strong prospect. But when guys get hurt, I think that we sort of dismiss that uh, and say, Oh, it's not a big deal. They'll just bounce back the next season. But I mean, think back how many guys, how many, how many wide receivers? I was thinking about this. Today. This is more of a shower thoughts. This is not very objective slash like thought out, but like, how many wide receivers uh, can you think of that had a pretty significant year one injury and then year two just bounced back t- totally fine and they were totally good? And I think the answer to that is probably not a ton. Like it probably doesn't happen like super frequently. I know it probably has, but I think that's why the yards per team pass attempt thing in conjunction with the routes run stuff can be pretty impactful. I literally just put my hand up like I was in school. And that's that's my <laughs> that's that's my attitude right now. No, I used to bang on this a lot, and so I actually know uh, none. There have been no like right. year one excuses except now we have Michael Pittman, and I think I think uh, Rondo Moore might be another because ex- he hadn't played right. football for two years. So, for, but that's very recent. It used to be those literally zero wide receivers that could be excused by injury and then went on to do well. Now, yeah. Michael Pittman missed a lot of time, I think, early in his first year. And he's since had a lot more upside than that. Yeah. So yeah. It, injury can be an excuse, but it's been it's relatively rare. Um, and I think game thresholds are literally essential. I have been playing with recently because Burks was also playing in some games injured. And that's something yeah, that people mentioned tough. to me about uh, Christian Watson, who I think I'm just like tiny bit lower on the most. And that's just a sin to some people. And so that tends to be my most common argument. Um, but what I found, like Juju kills me every year, but I, I was, I think I learned the most from those type of situations. I still think Juju's a lot better than some people want to believe for yeah, or fantasy or not. Context uh, is very important to digesting what happens in a rookie season. And that's to your game threshold um, line as well. But I think much like with some numbers sounding good, but not actually being good, some context is just narrative. That's the sentence I'm trying to get to. Like injuries used to be just narrative. Now at least we have a couple of examples so we can look at them and see, you know, what were they doing when they weren't injured to try and get an idea of what a prospect like that who is going to have a better year two might look like. And, and the guy I'm trying to get to is like, Juju taught me to start looking at that. And one of the results of it was like, um, I stood on an island against Brandon Ayuk for mm. his second season because he hit everything and he's a great wide receiver and probably undervalued now. But I just thought the context of that season was Debo's injury. And when Debo was healthy, Ayuk yeah. was in a different role. And I just felt like the offense and something Zach Reed from the dynasty dummies podcast has pointed out a lot, like, like Watson and um, Burks was playing or has games recorded when he was still injured. And so I yeah. started playing with like more than 20% of snaps as a, yeah, it's a secondary, but especially with rookies and especially in the NFL, which is already small sample, 
the more we shrink it down, like, the more, sorry, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I have no good conclusion, but I think you're right. Shower thought wise. I think all of that is relevant, but it still becomes kind of, you have to, it's not going to be produced purely in a model score to your point yeah. as well. It's, it's yeah. a prospect score and then the context. I, I think, I also think it's different at running back than at wide receiver, because as we know, running backs immediately can dominate, right? Like they can just step yeah, into yeah, like, yeah. like from, from, so that injury, like Travis Etienne's a perfect example where, you know, he has this injury year one, doesn't play, but it doesn't matter as much because we know that running backs don't need that much time to get acclimated to the league. Whereas mm -hmm. I actually am a little bit nervous about Jamison Williams. Like there, there's a, a legit part of me, not, not like forget how anyone felt about him entering the league. Like he was a 95th percentile guy in my model. Uh, you know, he, I, I had him as the, the last of that big five last year, but you know, regardless of all that, like we, we have to give this context, the situation context. And what I do within the year two model is I put together these journey comparables, I call them, where I look at guys who had similar prospect scores and then similar year two scores. And then I, I, I find comparables that way. So it, it's not about size. It's not about play style, nothing like that. Like Christian Watson, I think one of his might be Cooper Cup, you know, just to give you an idea. Right, right. Like, you know, so like they're not alike at all. But uh, if you look at Jamison Williams, there's literally like one guy within the potential journey comparables that has panned down. It's Mike Williams. And like, are we, are we like super, super thrilled about Mike Williams and dynasty? Like have, have people who have had Williams, like even if he hasn't been banged up as he has, but you know, are, are you, are you that thrilled about him? And I, I think the answer to that is, you know, probably not like we, we don't want that to be the, the best outcome for Jamison Williams. Right. And so uh, I, I think that, what this model is showing and look, Jamison Williams numbers look like his year two model score looks like crap because he didn't play ba basically last year. And so, uh, you know, people are going to be shocked when they see that in the model that he's ranked behind some pretty bad wide receivers, but it's not to say that it's impossible for him to climb back out. It's just a reminder that this is trying to predict year, the, the best season out of year two or year three. And essentially Jamison Williams is going to be a rookie next year. We have to, we have to reckon like, even if, even if he got reps this past season and even he's still essentially a rookie uh, and a wider. So, so that means that year three is really that year more than likely that this model is like, like really trying to nail. And that's a lot of pressure for that one season and for him to really thrive in that one season, which is why the model likely shows what it shows. And so um, that's, that was sort of the, like the, the, the eye opening thing that I, I saw uh, in upgrading this model and like changing things up is that, uh, I, I don't think that like, it's that bad to use season long. I mean, even my prospect model, I actually use season long yards per team pass attempt instead of per game stuff, because I didn't, I, I got similar signal and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do extra calculations if I don't have to do extra. Why would I want to do that? Uh, and so, so yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting. No, it's very interesting. Um, I think, increasingly in dynasty like i hate telling them this but they dynasty players are getting sharper and sharper you know mm -hmm. you screwed it up with the late round qb method and everyone figured that out and then they found you and you told them all the edges and now like there's not a lot and so what i end up doing a lot is and it really depends on your league um and that's the other problem with it but it's micro market so it's like jameson wilson <laughs> jameson williams will be healthy at which point people would be more interested in his potential. It's like John mm -hmm. Michi, not mm -hmm. a big fan of his, of his college profile of the person. Yeah, I sure hope he gets healthy and plays. But the minute they're healthy and playing, the potential will be more enticing. And so there's probably a value window as far as production. Got no yeah, idea. And sure. um, there's 
and Mike Williams might be another exception. I discounted him back when because it took him so long to do anything. Yeah, and exactly. The, if it's outside the three-year window, I assume his value and normally has it's dropped before it rises again. And so it's just a different question. Right. Um, but Christian Watson is a context that's interesting me um, right now because his 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 literal on-field volume is low. He's he's working in this hyper-efficient role where he's got high targets per route run, decent target share, and all the other numbers down that stretch. But his snap share and his overall routes are still relatively low. And it got me interested in the question of which is the volume to chase? Do you chase the route volume? Because you've got Jahan Dotson, who was a decent prospect, who I probably had ranked too low, and who got like 30 routes per game. So is that him earning time on the field? Or is Christian Watson earning, in some games, 30% target share and the volume to chase? That's the next question. You chase yeah. volume, which is the best volume? I, I think <laughs> it's I, I think it's all of the above, honestly. Like, I, I, I think that, you know, like you, you, you know, you're never going to find, you know, this is so much better than that. Or this is so much better than that within, within football statistics and fantasy football statistics. When, when, when you're being reasonable, of course, like yards per carry is worse than most other, you know, types of, of yeah. metrics. Um, but yeah, I mean like, like what, what I think is, is really impactful and helpful again, going back to like the journey comparable thing. Uh, like let's just use Christian Watson as the example. So Christian Watson uh, has a 93rd percentile, uh, 92.5 percentile year two model score. His journey comparables are Greg Little, which is a fart noise, uh, Chase, Clay, <laughs> Chase Claypool, and DK Metcalf. Those are his three. And, and it just so happens that Claypool and Metcalf are, are also like archetype uh, comparables too, to some degree. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, which one is he more like? Is he more like Chase Claypool or is he more like DK Metcalf? And you know, I, I think there's a little bit of a, a little bit of both technically, technically, but I will say like DK Metcalf's rookie season, his target share per game rate was, was four or five percentage points better than what we saw from Christian Watson. And so I think when you're looking at previous and, and historical examples of the guy that you're analyzing and you can find these metrics that are important and naturally important that don't match up with that guy who's really, really good then you say, okay, this is somewhat of a concern. This is somewhat of a flag. I'm not someone as an analyst who, and it, it, some people will get annoyed by this, but I think this is just, just the way my brain works. I'm not someone as an analyst who's like, okay, Christian Watson had a 16% target share per game rate and DK Metcalf was 20% as a rookie. Therefore, we have to sell Christian Watson because he's not going to be DK Metcalf. You know, I, I live in a much more gray area with this stuff because I think it's just important to have that nuance. But I do think that it's important to be grounded and realize that, okay, Metcalf had a much better target share season and targets and target share is something that does correlate year after year and year over year. It's an, it's a very important metric. And so, um, and then, you know, you look at someone like Jahan Dotson, uh, you know, low yards per route run rate, good participation overall. Like he's, he was on the field, uh, which is, which is obviously good. You know, I, I, I do think that there, there's some concern there um, because it, one of the main concerns that I have for Dotson is the fact that when you compare his yards per route run to some of the other guys in that team, yeah, he was about as good as Curtis Samuel and stuff, but, but Terry McLaurin destroyed him, right? Terry McLaurin yeah. had two yards per route run rate, whereas Jahan Dotson was like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 below, you know, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.6 below that. Um, and and that's, that's, to me, that's more of an issue than if you look at, and I, I've sort of done like a 180 on George Pickens over the last two weeks because I thought that Pickens, I even had him as on my on my podcast as a sell candidate because there are so many George Pickens truthers out there. And if you can really sell high, like, 
you know, sell alpha high, then, then go ahead and try to do that. But the more I've dug into it, uh, when you give George Pickens situation a little bit more context, he actually doesn't look that bad. Uh, you know, his yards per out run. Yeah, not great. Um, but if you give it context of when, uh, when Chase Claypool left the picture, when the Steelers started to really perform better during the second half of the season, uh, that offense started to perform better. His yards per route run jumped by like 0.5. It got, it got a lot better. Uh, George Pickens did. And then the other thing is that his yards per route run was on par all season long and all of those splits with Deontay Johnson and Deontay Johnson, we know is factually a good football player. And so, actually, <laughs> sorry, and so, <laughs> I like that. And so, it's and just so, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just is. No, but but at least at least we know we, at least we know Deontay Johnson is as a well you know above average wide receiver, and George Pickens within that metric is is uh, getting close to him is is near him within that metric, and so um you know I I I just sort of piece all these things together and try to tell stories about these guys because I think it's really important to look at that historical context you know, see where they're at. And that's why, like, when you look at a Chris Olave, when you look at a, a, a Drake London um, and a Garrett Wilson, especially Olave, that, like, Chris Olave's rookie season is still undervalued. Like, I, I truly believe that Chris Olave is still somehow undervalued in Dynasty. What it's he... 12, I think, right now? Yeah, or yeah. I, but but I, I have him I have him above Garrett Wilson in my, like, re, like moving forward. And 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 that's not as popular of, of, a, of a take, but what he did his rookie season was absolutely bonkers. Like yeah, all Jaylen of the literally... chase and Jamar chase, like in terms of overall results for fantasy, at least, yeah, it, which, it was... you know, he's not compared to right now. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just, it, it was absolutely, it's just absolutely wild. When you look at his yards per route run, I mean, the only guys that are ahead of him in yards per route run as rookies since 2011 are Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, AJ Brown, and o- Odell Beckham. That's it. Those are the only four mm-hmm. wide receivers that are ahead of him in yards per route run. You look at his yards per team pass attempt, elite. You look at his targets per, te- per, per route run, elite. You look at his target share per game, very, very strong slash elite. I mean, like literally everything lines up for Chris Olave to just be a monster, which is why he ranks so well in the year two model. I, I, I think it's just easy to like, and look, this is no shade to Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson's a stud also. Um, but there's just a lot of that stuff where I'm trying to just piece that all together and, you know, kind of go from there. No, I, I think there's, a, uh, as always, a lot in there. One, I remember now, yeah, I mostly just stole your process to make my own fantasy football process. And that that's probably why I'm agreeing with you a lot, which is annoying because disagreeing <laughs> is probably more fun for a podcast, but I'm enjoying it, so screw it. Um, but to your point, like, uh, there's a lot in there. One, there's making favorable comparisons that other people take as hatred or not liking. Mm. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I've listened to some of your rookie content. And again, I know I'm talking rookies a lot, but... Um, his name quinton johnson in this year's draft yeah and like he came across to me as a very good but like kenny galladay was the best comp i came up with for Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that i was i had to fight people over kenny galladay being good with that (laughs) yeah right right but now because i'm comparing him to kenny galladay people don't like that and i'm like i don't okay and it's the same with christian watson like anyway too long didn't read you trade Watson into Burks, you trade Burks and Watson into London, and you trade London into Chris Olave. Like, it's all about what you can do in your league and getting right. the value right in Dynasty at a certain point for people to recognize. Yeah, like, like I, it was really funny when, when Garrett Wilson was like by far had the best odds to win rookie of the year, like in December. I, 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 I quote tweeted something and I was like, this is insane that he has such better odds than Chris Olave, not because Garrett Wilson is bad, but because Chris Olave has arguably been better 
you know, per game, per touch, per target, per, per anything, Chris Olave was better than Garrett Wilson last year. And, you know, people will make the argument, and I understand the arguments. You got to give all that context. You got to look at quarterback situation, competition, all that kind of stuff. I totally get it. I'm just saying, let's at least put Chris Olave in the conversation. You know what I mean? Like, let's at least get Chris Olave there because he deserves to be there. And then someone responds and they're like, you just hate Garrett Wilson. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, like, and then I had to, I, I pulled out a receipt that uh, last off season during, be- before the draft, I had Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one. So clearly he's, he wasn't my, you know, I wasn't a hater, but it, it's just, yeah. it, 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 people, people like to approach things that way. And to, this also though, like goes to uh, my beef with comps, you know, my comps and my prospect model are all objective they're all from the model based on different production metrics and size and all that kind of stuff. Not the year two model, but the actual prospect stuff. And I'll throw comps out there. And uh, like a chain, for instance, like he, he has pretty bad comps. Like they're terrible comps. It doesn't mean that I think he's going to be bad. It's just, he's a smaller back who has some production related flaws that are out there. I'm not saying that he's bad, but like the reason he's going to be drafted higher is because of his speed, right? It's because he's, super, super fast. And that's very intriguing. And maybe we see a Chris Johnson type player come out of that. That's totally possible. But at the same time, it doesn't look very good on paper. And and it's fine to admit that and see that as long as you provide context, give a nuance and understand all of that and understand the range of outcomes. It's just that people want, like, if you go and search Twitter right now for uh, comps for this wide receiver class, you're going to get an Antonio Brown comp for like Zay Flowers because it's just what people know, do. Right? You know, it's just uh, it, it, like it, it's like yeah. oh, he's he's Antonio Brown, he's Julio Jones. He's just, it's like this doesn't happen. This draft class objectively is not. I, I don't think this draft this wide receiver class, at least at a high level, is as good as last year's class. And so like like I I uh, I, I look at at uh, these comps. I'm like, w- w- you're expecting literal like seven all pros coming out of this class? Like, come on now, we got to be serious. Um, yeah, I was recently talking about that as well. Like, I hate even that. It's not just comps. It's good or bad class frustrates the hell out of me. Me because, too. Man. I mean, yeah. what do you mean? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen came out of one of the worst draft classes ever. Yeah. It's like those are two of the best wide receivers ever. And I think there are two in this class, hands down, will be wide receiver one or two in most draft classes. But it's a bad class because you don't have seven. And I'm like, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's also about yeah. what we mean. No one. There's no. How did Zach say it? There's a lack of consistency in what we mean by these terms. And so you're right. Like, comps suck unless you're willing to make the effort to read the guide or read your model and say what you're actually meaning by that comparison. Then it's kind of... And I actually like A-Chain a little bit, but I'm not really there on this class either yet. So I don't want to debate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was fine. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want that to be taken as like me not yeah, liking yeah, no. him. You know, I, I, I think it's it's just more yeah. so like when you look objectively at some of the metrics that my model looks at and how it pulls out comps. Like his number one comp, his top comp is Isaiah Pede. Like period. And and, and but then That's but then you take good. a step back. You take a step back and you look at it and you're like, okay, Pede had a decent production, uh, a, a good speed score guy at a at a smaller size. Like it all it all comes together and you can start to tell that story. Um, but it doesn't mean you know, just because that comp exists doesn't mean that I think a chain's bad. You know, it, it's just, it's just a comp. It's just what, cause we see, we see misses all the time. I mean, back that was back in like the early parts of my career when Isaiah Pede was coming out and people loved Isaiah Pede. Like they thought that he was great. And yeah. the fact of the matter is these guys aren't all going to be successes. It's just how it goes. 
Tell you what, one of the things I do take away from 2022 is recognizing, you know, what false positives. It's like Geno Smith. Turns out the right system, Geno Smith can ball. Yeah. <laughs> like we always yeah. kind of hoped. But like Isaiah P, maybe he's good with a different story. Reality think, is difficult and sometimes yeah. you get unlucky or sometimes it's something not about your capability. Or maybe you were just overproductive in college for other reality-based things we tend to ignore. Yeah. I mean, no, I completely take your points there. But I was going to ask you more about yards per route run, especially with how you were talking about it in terms of the NFL, because we can talk about it in those terms. And mm-hmm. um, I find it much more situation-dependent. Um, now, receiving yards for team pass attempt, I almost completely ignore for the NFL, which is weird because it seems to work very well in the same way in that it seems to be a little more situation, situationally agnostic. Um, and I think you're the first one I ever heard talking about it. So I was wondering if you still use it, still find it useful, uh, or if my description of it is off. Because as far as I can tell, it's like team volume adjusted market share, kind of how I could think of it. It can mess with your brain thinking about it too. Like think, thinking about the differences <laughs> between the two. Because I, I say this all the time. I say it all the time. They're sort of... Uh, like like yards per team pass attempt is sort of a, an efficiency metric that, or sorry, it's it's a market share metric that's masked as an efficiency metric. Like pe- people, yes. people, people think that it's an efficiency metric, but it's really sort of a, a market share metric as is yards per route run. I mentioned this on my podcast last week um, because yards per route run inherently is about volume, right? If, if you have a fraction in the numerator, the top number uh, is based on seeing a lot of volume, then that number, the more volume you get, like, like the example that I used on my show was Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You know, if you have a, a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two on a team, typically in a given season, you know, injuries aside, if they don't have injuries, those two wide receivers are going to run a very similar number of routes. It's just the way that, it, that the NFL works. You know that there's two, three wide sets on every single play. And so that number two wide receiver, like Justin Jefferson ran like 16 more routes than Adam Thielen did last year. Uh, obviously their yards per route run was not, the same. And the reason for that is because Justin Jefferson gets targeted a lot because he's very good. And when you get targeted a lot, you see more yards. And when your yards increase, that means your yards per route run is going to increase. And so technically, if you're a wide receiver, one wide receiver, two, uh, you know, you're, you're, this is a volume based statistic. It's still an efficiency metric to some degree, because you're going to get a KJ Osborne who doesn't run as many routes as those guys do. Um, and maybe he blows up and has like this, he's just crazy efficient, uh, per route run and stuff. And then, you know, you look at that and you say, oh, what if they give them some more love next season, et cetera, et cetera. And you start to like go down a path and building a story about KJ Osborne. But, you know, the, the general idea there is that it's still very largely a market share statistic. And the same thing goes for yards per team pass attempt. It, it's it's a, a similar-ish type metric uh, overall. Obviously the, the numerator is the exact same. You know, the denominator, you're looking at routes run versus team pass attempt. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, the, the, the difference between the two, uh, to me is just simply, are you a, an, an every down starter or not? Because if you're an every down starter, that pass attempt number is going to look fairly similar to your routes run number. Um, you know, generally speaking, like the, the number of pass attempts, a team like the, the Vikings, right. Number of pass attempts that they had, obviously there's sacks and stuff involved, but the number of pass attempts that they have is going to be very, very similar to what Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen ran in terms of routes run. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the, the the secondary guys and such, that's where things are going to differ uh, from the standpoint of of routes run versus team pass attempt, um, because team pass attempt is 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 going to be naturally a lot lower because that denominator is the exact same throughout that team. So now all of a sudden, instead of Justin Jefferson having a wildly different 
denominator, that bottom number of the fraction in routes run versus KJ Osborne. Now it's the exact same because they played for the same team. And so that's just naturally what, what, what I think that does a little bit more is just tell us how consistent that player was at being on the field and being part of that offense. And there's signal to that. I mean, there's, 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 there's some juice there like that. That still matters. Uh, you know, like, I, I think that's why it gets signal for me uh, with some of these models, whether it be the prospect or even this year two model, it's in the year two model now. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that when a rookie, you know, this is obviously just catered towards first year players. Cause that's what the year two model is all about. But when a rookie is, is able to be on the field so consistently from the start, right? Like George Pickens, for instance, did fairly well in yards per team pass attempt better than yards per route run. And the reason for that is because he got run right away in that offense. Like his target share wasn't even different when they lost Chase Claypool. It was, the exact, it was like 16% per game pre and post Chase Claypool. And so the, the <laughs> trade. And so the, the reason why I think it gets signal is because George Pickens playing right away and starting for the Steelers and getting, getting run in that offense and getting yards right away is pretty impactful across the entire season. Whereas if you're a wide receiver who catches on maybe later in the season, you know, you're not benefiting because, because we, we would assume that a more talented wide receiver is getting run week one, right. As opposed to getting run week 10, week 11. And so I think that's why yards per team pass attempt does get a little bit of signal. Whereas yards per route run is only looking at, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown blowing up towards the end of the season. Cause he wasn't running as many routes at the beginning of the season. So I think that's sort of the, the, the difference between those two and how, um, this sort I think of he actually was together. running. In, sorry, he was still I, running I, some. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't was, getting targets yet. Yeah, yeah. It, it was big in, someone made a Christian Watson at Almond Ross St. Brand comparison. My brain exploded. So I recently yeah, dug yeah, yeah, into that. You. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, no, I, it goes back to your point, though. And the reason I ask is because while it's like my eyes just crossed over a little bit, it's going to take me a second to understand most of what you just said. I'm sorry. I'm slow. But I do think that's the key. Like, well, Talking about your recent, most recent podcast, I think it was your most recent one that you're referencing. Yeah, mailbag. Um, one of the things you said, and I don't hear near enough, is stop expecting and that will model, will find a number that it, that you can rank with. Like, it's yeah, there's not, no, there's, there's no, no golden key solution. Yeah, the best you can do is understand what it is, and then try to understand what that means for how this player yeah. performed in that stat. So find a few stats that you can understand well that aren't yards for carry, obviously. Um, yeah, and do your best to apply context because, and I think that's absolutely right. What's a player this you just did a year two modeling that you think you're going to be trying to target in Dynasty this off season? I, I know that his ADP is really high, but I do think that the Drake London thing is very, very real. Uh, just in terms of like the way that uh, the market is seeing him, uh, not very close to, and even my last like dynasty rankings, I think that I could have been higher on, on London uh, th than I was, but I, I, I truly do think that he should be uh, a lot closer to the, the Alave, at least Alave, but cause you know, Garrett Wilson's usually a handful of spots ahead of Alave. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think he should be closer to uh, that tier um, overall. So he's one that comes to mind. I'm looking at my rankings right now to see if anything because I, I did do a, a, a buy candidates episode a few weeks ago, and I don't even remember who, who I had on that I show. That oh, uh, uh, I, I'm still, I'm still, and this is, I, I, I hesitate to say it, but I'm still buying Jerry Judy. Um, I, Rough, he, but yeah, I get it. He had an incredibly, and this is, this is simply because the, the market, I mean, if you look at like a keep trade cut, they're high enough on Judy. But if you look at like a DLF ADP, they're not. 
Um, and so um, he's someone that, that I definitely am intrigued by really decent yards per hour run rate last year. All things considered, he's gotten better within that metric each year. Uh, and, and he had a, a, a points per game average that was top 20 in the league at wide receiver. And no one really cares or realizes it like really crappy situation, but he, he actually kind of balled out and there's a lot of backbone to him too, which is what I like. You know, it's not like it's someone who completely came from, I mean, he was a good prospect, you know, even if people were a little bit worried about the production profile and stuff, I mean, it was, he's still a, a, objectively a good prospect. Um, and, and he, yeah, yeah. Highly drafted. I mean, you know, the talent is is probably there and it, he's, he's flashed it at least. Um, so if you can get him low right now, I think is really interesting and, and, and solid. I think uh, Judy's yeah. a really interesting one. The story of his career so far seems to be, if you look at what he he's doing well, but it's not paying off at this point, yeah. he would be a later breakout by most categories. But right. yeah, I kind of get it. Like Russell Wilson, like I don't want to be in on that, but it hurt people so much last year. Kind of, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, can he be that bad again? The whole Denver offense, maybe. Yeah, and, and I, I also haven't shared this one anywhere. Uh, except my discord. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> but, but so I, I'm a big believer that like when you buy and sell players in dynasty, you don't have to love the player. Uh, you know, like, like, like in terms of buying, in terms of like going after them, you don't have to love the player. You could, you know, it, it, he doesn't have to have some like flashy uh, production profile uh, or, or, or statistical stat, uh, some, some crazy stat line for you to really hmm. lean in and buy into him. And the, an example of that, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's Alec Pierce. I think that Alec Pierce ah, is an incredibly interesting buy right now because no one cares about Alec Pierce. No, no one cares about Alec Pierce. And, and, and this is one of those situations where, you know, we were talking about yards per route run. We were talking about yards per team pass attempt. Um, one of the things that, that uh, people should recognize is that not all yards per route run metrics are created equal. And that, what I mean by that is, situation can 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 boost up a, a good yards per route run rate i mean obviously you know you have like these studs and Alave and drake london and stuff like that but like a great example is george pickens who i was just talking about where uh first half of the season when the steelers offense was absolute trash his yards per route run rate was like 1.14 and the second half it was like 1.65 but we just look at the average it's like 1.38 i'm just thinking about this off the top of my head so i could easily be yeah, wrong it but, might be a little wrong yeah. yeah yeah but like it was like 1.38 or something like that uh but it, what changed was the steelers offense got a lot better um and so you have to recognize that aspect of things and with alec pierce um you know when when you give him the context of that colts passing attack which was beyond dreadful second worst yards per per attempt rate this past year uh and and if you look at alec pierce's um, uh, yards per hour run versus Michael Pittman's, it wasn't that far off. Like it wasn't that totally uh, uh, gone and, 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 and awful. So this is like, th this is also, uh, and I wrote about this in my, in my prospect guide. Um, I didn't love Alec Pierce coming out because his production profile wasn't that great. Wasn't an early kind of mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. But he had, he had kind of a good breakout age. It was really yeah. easy to be too high on Alec Pierce. Yeah, by having it, him. it was like a third round pick. You were like, yeah, yeah he sure. was just like very easily. <laughs> it was very obvious that he got boosted because he was a second rounder. And it's very obvious that he got boosted in the draft by athleticism because he does have crazy athleticism. One of the comps though, for me was Chris Conley. I thought that that was just like what we were looking at was like Chris Conley reincarnated. Um, and, and he, he was better than that uh, last season. Um, and, and you know, there's, there's, if you look at players historically that, uh, you know, sort of had this, these, these poor metrics, or like, if you look at like Alec Pierce comps and stuff, 
one of the guys you could uh, point to who was just kind of in a crappy situation, didn't do a whole lot, but has an athletic, a crazy athletic profile was Chris Godwin. And I'm not saying that that's what Alec no, Pierce is. Fun, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying what you need to do for these like super low tier guys that are only, that have only played one right. year that no one wants anymore. You got to look at that ceiling. That's all you should care about. It doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter if he busts. Cause if you're sending nothing for him, then whatever. Um, and so Pierce was someone who, you know, he's in the 85th percentile in my year two model. That's below, you know, the threshold that you really want them to be at, but it was better than what I expected. And that's why he, he sort of popped in mind just now. No, if, uh, if a buy low guy or buy cheap or whatever we want to call them look good, then they're probably not easy to trade for. That's kind of, yeah, and exactly. again, yeah. Alec Pierce was fine and fine. It's going to be a, it's a crazy time for running backs right now. We're due for a lot of renovation at the position. Mm-hmm. Bajon Robinson is a running back one in dynasty, even though he can't be ranked there according to most systems right now. Yeah. I, we, I think he's already there. And um, that puts me, like, I want to trade for running backs because I think the value is as low as it's ever been. Uh, Avram Kamara is basically free uh, in most leagues right now. Um, and because he's a receiving back, he's probably got a little more life in him than most. Um, but at the same time, most of the run- to, a, to your point, most players that you want to target actually have value. Like, saying trade for Brees Hall is okay, but you're going to give up something pretty substantial. Right. Um, yeah, I- I'm more inclined to, to um, not buy the younger guys at running back right now, which is, which is obviously odd, right? Cause you, you no, like, I mean, like, that's, that would great this year. Would great the year before. It's yeah. just, you don't want to be the last one to notice. Or yeah, yeah, of course. When yeah. it switches like, up, it happens quick. So. Like I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not the kind of dynasty player who goes out and would buy a Dalvin cook right now or buy an Alvin Kamara right now. It's just not, it's just not how I manage my teams. I, I go very wide receiver heavy. I like to build around wide receiver and then when push comes to shove and I really, really need to do do something at running back, I'll make some sort of move at running back. Uh, but obviously do it through rookie drafts too. But, you know, if push comes to shove and I need to make a move right now, um, you know, I think of like the top 10 guys, the one guy that I would be sort of intrigued by would be DeAndre Swift just because, uh, you know, he, he's coming off a season where we're just not going to, he had a 28% running back rush share this past year, which is just not going to happen again. I mean, it, it's like, like that was, that was ranked past the 50th running back in the league and running back rusher. It's just not going to happen again for a player as talented as Deandre Swift. So, you know, that naturally his production is probably going to get a little bit better. Um, but if I own a, uh, a, one of those higher end young running backs, Brees Hall aside, cause I think Brees Hall is pretty special. Um, I like Kenneth Walker, I think is a very clear sell right now, like a, yeah. a, a very obvious sell in dynasty because yeah. you're, you're, you look at startups right now uh, when there's a need and we see this all the time, like in redraft, I studied this like an insane amount um, because I think there's just a huge psychology component to ADP and drafts and stuff. And, you know, every single year, every single year, people are like, Oh, the, is the running back dead zone not going to exist this year because everyone knows about the running back dead zone. No, it's going to exist every year because what happens is, uh, people draft these running backs early in their draft. They they realize once these bell cows are all off the board, because there's usually like 10 projected bell cows per season or so. Once those guys are off the board, teams panic. And what do they do? They force the pick and they, they force these running backs to, to be driven up draft board. So that, that mid third round into the fifth and sixth round is the running back dead zone. And it exists every single freaking year because we're drafting inferior players in that range. And so mm-hmm. the same thing to some degree is happening at the high end parts of startups right now uh, where the running back position sucks, but people want to anchor their teams with running backs. 
And so they're drafting Kenneth. Like I can't fathom drafting Kenneth Walker and as like a top 10, top 12 pick right now in, in a startup. Like it's, it seems it's to me, it just, I mean, I could be totally wrong. Uh, but from a process, no, I'm, I think I'm it's same page. If you are, really, I'm really not going to be the one bad. to say it. Like, yeah, like it's I, one I, of those, like, this is like the, it's like the picturesque definition of a dynasty. sale. it's like, we don't even have to not like him. It's not like, I think he's bad. Like I, 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 I thought he had a, a decent season, although I think he had an overrated season. Like I, it was crazy to me that he had the most first place rookie of the, uh, of the year votes when he was right. dead last in the league in success rate. <laughs> he had, uh, a horrible, he had just bad metrics across the board. He was one of the worst players at gaining positive yards last year um, in, in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, there, there, there are those types of like flags with his rushing. He's a home run guy. Right. Um, but you know, his receiving profile wasn't very strong and it wasn't very strong in college. Never has been. And yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, the haters came out and they're like, well, he had this really great game against Tampa Bay where he had a 24% target share or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, it's not really what this means and what this is all about, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I, 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 if I were to do something at running back right now, uh, it would definitely just be like throwing, I like throwing darts at random guys. Like last year it was like the Khalil Herbert dart throws and stuff like that. Like I, I don't mind doing that kind of thing. Um, but I, I'm almost always selling guys more than selling running backs more than buying. Uh, but if I were actually, to buy, um... if I were to buy, I would be getting like the, the veterans and, you know, if I was competitive, obviously beginning like the veterans or like a, the only guy I think in the top 10 is like a DeAndre Swift. No, uh, capitalizing that psychology is always just fun because you don't even have to have a strong dislike or like of a player. It's just, look, you're making the mistake. I'm sorry to yeah, stop making yeah. it. I'll start taking There's actually, I remember looking it up when you first uh, talked about it. There's a similar wide receiver zone slightly later, like um, tight ends and running backs tend to be better value above replacement level or however the calculation mm-hmm. I, uh, that you've talked about before and i saw once um especially once you get after round 10 and people are starting to pummel the deep wide receiver which yeah. doesn't really exist exactly and it creates a similar phenomenon yeah um which again bleeds us into drafting wide receivers mm-hmm. early in dynasty because they just won't let us have any t we're not That's allowed right. to have any t but... and, and it's not like i'm sitting here saying like like i, I would love to have either of those guys on my team like, like yeah. it's not, you know, like it's just, it's just right now versus the market, you know, the market is it, to me overvaluing those guys. Yeah. I, I, I made a video about it and I pointed out like in your league, if no one's trading Ken Walker like that, then you just have Ken Walker and that's yeah, not like, bad. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's not bad. I do want to ask you about Patrick Faramuth because I feel like I've been on a bit of an eye like Patrick Faramuth. I've been describing him as Kyle Pitts, but he's never disappointed you. Yeah. Value. Yeah. Um, what do you expect for him going forward? Or is yeah. a like the tight end position right now? I think like when I came into playing Dynasty, there was something there was a Jason Witten, Antonio Gates, and um uh Gonzalez here. Um that it was just solid, like you could start them. They were top 12 mm-hmm. repeatedly, even though top 12 doesn't matter at tight end. But you just had him and you could start him. And since then, it's kind of died down. It was always Gronk and Graham and then yeah. death. And But right now, you've got Patrick Fairmouth. You've got Kyle Pitts, who's a dynasty tight end one, obviously. Um, but like 36, 36 spots lower drafted than he was last year because people forget why they liked him, even though they still like him for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got Muth, uh, Goddard, um, Kittle, obviously. They all operate in this middle class of tight ends. Um yeah. What's funny is, you know, I, I, 
I, I generally, yeah. So I, I actually think, and I, I said this on uh, my sells episode, I think TJ Hawkinson is a sell only because uh, the, the market is incredibly high on him. But if you break down how he performed in Minnesota versus Detroit, the literal only difference is volume. The, the, the only difference is target share. Uh, when you look at Minnesota versus Detroit, his yards per route run numbers, his efficiency numbers, we're all very, very similar at both spots. It's not like he became a different person, right? And so, yeah, he's not Mark Andrews or um, Travis Kelsey now. Yeah, he's still, like, yeah, he's still, he's still <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. And, and the, the issue I have is that his target share per game rate with Minnesota was like 24%. And it's, 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 it's a number that he's just not going to sustain year over year. We just don't see that sustained. And so, I don't think Hawkinson's bad, but I got a little bit of flack from, from a couple of people they, they messaged me who were, uh, patrons, they, not flack. I shouldn't say that. It was just like questioning some of the rankings. And I, cause I have Goddard and Fryermuth ahead of Hawkinson in my dynasty rankings. And that's not consensus. That's not what people believe. I mean, TJ Hawkinson is going ahead of George Kittle often in these, uh, in these drafts. And stuff. Wow. Um, and so, so I, I, you know, I obviously had to defend that the same way that I just did with you with, with Hawkinson. What's funny though, is I typically am not building around tight end when I'm building dynasty rosters because I'm building around wide receiver mostly. And, but what's funny is the two guys, uh, Dallas Goddard and Pat Fryermuth, I'm actually ahead of consensus on, uh, cause I, I think Dallas Goddard has got to be the most under underrated tight end oh, uh, of like the point, last yeah. decade. I mean, the, the guy balls out. Uh, I, I think people are afraid of him because of the anchors that they have at wide receiver there. But as we saw, he sees great volume whenever he's active because the, the, the entire offense goes through three guys. Um, and, and that's unlikely to really change as long as they, uh, you know, are able to keep hurts around. So I think Goddard's great. And then Muth, Yeah. It's the same deal where it's, it, you're, you're getting this like super solid, consistent, probably mid range tight end one, which, you know, typically mid range from like a redraft perspective, mid range tight end ones are nothing to write home about because you can usually find ways to, to replace them and such. Uh, off the waiver wire with these like breakout guys and stuff, but you're not finding those players in the same reign in dynasty. It's, it's, it's a totally different game uh, from like a streaming perspective and such. So uh, yeah, I like Fryerman too. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's done exactly plus more what you would want from that kind of player. And it's like, people just don't care. I'm just saying people get off my back. He, JJ Zacharyson said it now, so you can all talk to him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> No, uh, I like that a lot. And Dallas Goddard, I've heard, I've had him mentioned to me on stream a few times as well. I just forget because I'm just so interested in Ferramuth. But that's a very fair point. Like if if Hawkinson is getting the hype and Goddard, like Dallas Goddard's the same thing. He's good. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah. He's still good. I think like I think Dallas Goddard's a way better tight. Not way. I shouldn't say way better, but I think he's a better tight end than T.J. Hawkinson is. Like I like like everything that he's done. Basically, if you look at T.J. Hawkinson's yards per route run last year. It was the best of his career, I, I, if I recall. It's like 1.61. If I'm, I'm trying to pull pull these numbers into my brain from outer space, uh, but I think it was 1.61. Goddard's basically exceeded that every single year of his career. You know, George Kittle's exceeded that every single year of his career. Pat Fryermuth is is on par with that. Uh, has been on par with that. Like, like it, it's just wild to me that Hawkinson is getting the love that he's gotten when you have really, really, really good tight ends sitting right there. And if the argument is well, Minnesota is going to continue to throw to him at a really high rate. Number one, I'd say it's unlikely because it's a really high target share. Number two, Minnesota, uh, if anything, they're going to be adding to that to that uh, pass catcher group. I mean, they 
Adam Thielen because is, they had to target him at such a yeah, high I mean, rate. Yeah, I mean, you have the cor- you have the, the corpse of Adam Thielen, and look, I'm not someone who hey. <laughs> who, who believes. You know, I'm not I'm not someone who believes that. Uh, you know, and I know that we've had conversations about this too in the past. I'm sure just about like like targets are earned, target share is earned, but it's to me, it's more about a baseline than the ceiling. It's more about like elite wide receivers are going to see a 25% target share because, because they're elite, right? Uh, A very good wide receiver is going to see a 20% target share, but it's, it's the ceiling that comes into play when there is that lack of competition. And that's where sure. TJ Hawkinson can see a 19, 20% target share, but there's no way we can count on him seeing a 24, 25% target share. It just doesn't happen. If you need historical outliers for them to pay off, then probably, probably, yeah, right, probably don't exactly. do that. Like historically high rates and on volume shares, probably not. Yeah. Um, no, I like that a lot, especially the tight end. I do think there's an edge in tight again, where Dynasty is getting smarter, and you do find some inaccuracies this way because, I mean, honestly, Travis Kelsey right now, he's just getting old, and Dynasty players refuse to accept that yeah. it's about age curves, not about age. Um, so it's probably just a bike Kelsey year again. Yeah. And yet there are still these young guns that are slowly going to be uh, the main part of the position. Luis Segura, whose name I always say wrong, talks a lot about the psychology in Dynasty, although you're talking about it um, existing in Redraft as well. But I think that's it for Dallas Goddard as well. Like everyone thought Zach Ertz was going to be traded. And then when he wasn't, even though Dallas Goddard still somehow managed to break out as a tight end two on that team. Yeah they were disappointed they didn't get it right. And so like with Kyle Pitts right now, they forget that they liked him for good reasons and that it mostly paid off and yeah. just kind of don't like him out of spite. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the word. I think it, it's not liking a player out of spite. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, no, very happy to see you're on the uh, on the Pat Furmuth train. It means I'm not completely insane. Uh, what are you doing right now that people can go and check out? What's yeah, I, I, uh, I you can check out LateRound.com. Uh, I have a Patreon where I post my rankings and stuff to, during the off season. Have uh, you know chats with with patrons and we have a Discord community. Um, and then also uh, my podcast, which you can find a link to at LateRound.com. I do that twice a week out of season. And then the prospect guide, I mean, hopefully I can get it done by March 13th. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be ready to go uh, for all of you who have pre-ordered it. Uh, but you can pre-order right now for $11.99 and then it jumps to $14.99 on March 13th whenever it launches. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I wish I had like a line of just the perfect questions, but honestly, I was kind of shocked you said yes. So I, I'm just happy to hear you do another <laughs> podcast, man. I really appreciate it, it. Yeah, man. It was great Thanks talking to you. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no.